a lot of the ministry department really helped me out during that time to uh, Dr. Milhouse, to Dr. Butner, uh, Dr. Gabrielson. Um, and so as I was going through this change, I went into my sophomore year uh, during the spring semester, and I was taking these classes into biblical studies. And, but I didn't feel as a, I, was, I was getting led uh, like I was um, during the fall of that semester. And I was really frustrated with God. Um, I, I honestly, I, I started to second-guess myself. I was like, God, you called me to go into ministry, but at the same time, like, what ministry? Like, is it pastoral ministry? Is it youth ministry? Like, I, I don't know. I, I really felt like, like God got me on the highway that he wanted me to be on, but I felt like the GPS was gone. So it was like, I, I'm on this highway, but I don't know how long I, he wants me to be on. I don't know what exit I should take. I was sitting there starting to second-guess uh, myself. I was in these classes, and I was like, I remember I went to a theological conference, and I knew I didn't understand at all what was going on. And I walked out of there, and I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I have to stay for Sterling for another year, so that means more debt, more money. And I, I was not happy, because I thought that me following Christ was going to be happy forever. And it was like the Chronicles of Narnia at the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. At the very end of that movie, um, uh, Aslan is walking away. And I felt like God was walking away from me. And so I was in this uh, really frustrated time that uh, roughly two years ago to this day, I uh, went to the Sterling Lake around 1 o'clock in the morning, um, and it was freezing cold. Uh, it was snowing down. I don't, I, I, that's, how, that's how bad it was. Uh, and I sat on the bench, and I was just having it out with God. Uh, you know, why did you call me to do this? I thought it was going to be so much better than what it is. I didn't understand why God called me to this, and yet I felt in this like pit of despair. Um, and as I was calling out uh, names where I know I wish I could take some things back, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I finally said, I was like, God, uh, I thought this was going to be full of joy, and I don't remember the last time that I laughed. I don't remember the last time that I laughed. And I sat there pretty quiet um, in silence. And the wind starts picking up. And it gets really cold. And I'm like, man, i got to get out of here. <laughs> I need to sleep in my own bed. Uh, and the wind starts to die down and just stops. And all of a sudden, I smelled the worst smell that I've ever smelled in my life. And it was the worst cow poop smell I have ever, ever smelled. However, upon smelling it, I thought it was the most funniest thing ever, and I couldn't stop laughing. I'm sure that a lot of us can relate to feeling stuck in life, like feeling like God has given up and directing us. Some of us have felt like we've had no sense of direction, and some of us look at the situation that we are in and would have never thought that you'd be in the situation that you are in now. And if you haven't been with us this past couple of weeks, we've been in a, in a series called uh, Following uh, David's Life in First Samuel. And we find ourselves in a situation where David is, where he is stuck in a situation that he would have never thought that he would have been in himself. So for a quick summary, David is fleeing from Saul, and he's living in a cave. Now, I like the outdoors. Um, I, you know, I love hiking and love being in God's nature. It just really calms my, uh, my heart, my soul. Uh, but I don't like camping. You know, I don't like, I don't like sleeping uh, during the night. Uh, <laughs> I saw an amen. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just don't. I would prefer to just sleep in my own bed. Um, so I can only imagine what it was like for David to live in this cave. And not only that, but Saul is out, out is seeking him, trying to kill him. This is a 
a position where I would I have never been in. I mean, I've been to paintballing before, and, and you know, I've had people you know shooting with me at paintballs. And I've come home with some awful bruises, but not to the extent of what David is going through. It must have been terrible. Not only is he in an awful circumstance, but he's fleeing from a king. Saul is just not a nobody. He's the king of Israel, and he has an army. And no matter what uh, he commands the armies to do, no matter if it's morally correct or incorrect, they're going to do it. And I want to stop us here at this point. Caleb okay, preached from chapters 26 last Sunday, but I want us to stop us here at this point. When David is living in a cave in the worst situation, the worst circumstance, a circumstance he never thought that he would be in, a situation where you and I would think there's just no direction. And I want to ask us the question, what kind of prayer would you pray if you were in this awful predicament? What kind of prayer would you pray in this awful predicament? Luckily, in Psalms chapter 57, we know exactly, exactly what David responded to. So if you have your Bibles with me, you can open up to Psalms 57. Um, if you don't have your physical Bible, you can uh, go on your phone. And if you don't have that, then we'll have it up on the screens. Um, so let's read Psalms 57 together. And let's read David pouring his heart out to God while he's living in a cave fleeing from Saul. Verse 1. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul has bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give you thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. This is a beautiful response to a horrific situation that David finds himself in. And speaking for myself, my prayer to God when I was at the lake was nowhere near this. Nowhere near this. And maybe you find yourself in a situation to where you have, would have never thought that you would be in. Whether you, that is the situation that God has called you and you feel like, okay, well, here I am. Or you're just there to begin with. And maybe you prayed the prayer kind of like what I did. However, what I really love about Psalms 57 is, it, is David did the exact opposite. And, and this psalm really shows us four things that we can do when we find ourselves in these directionless moments. And so the first point is David shows us a confident request for mercy. A confident request for mercy. Be merciful to me, O oh God. Be merciful to me. To be merciful, what does that mean? To so be merciful is a humble request for God to show kindness and grant relief. And the need was so great that David repeated it twice. Be merciful to me, O oh God. Be merciful 
to me. The circumstances are so dire. And David describes the situation in verse 1 as a storm of destruction, tramples on me in verse 3, a lion and fiery beast in verse 4. And yet David cries out in the confidence that God hears. In other words, David has fearless faith despite the circumstance. Fearless faith is confidence in the Lord. Therefore, you have confidence requests for mercy. And you might be asking, Dakota, how can David have fearless faith in this unimaginable circumstance he is in? Well, look how David describes God uh, later in verse 2. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. So remember where David is. He's in a cave fleeing from a king in an uncomfortable situation. It's very easy for us uh, to be really angry with God when we find ourselves in these situations, to be disappointed in God. That's what, that was me at the lake. But you have to remember that David is the anointed king of Israel by God, and yet here he is in a cave being haunted by a madman, the current king. And yet David understood that all of these things are happening to fulfill the purpose that God has for him. And this is a really, really hard thing to admit when we're going through hard things and to admit that this is fulfilling God's purpose. A lot of us, when we are in these dire situations, we try to take control of what's going on in our own lives so we can have control of our own destiny. And this impulse is understandable, but notice what David says next in verse 3. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. David knows that he can't save himself, but he knows that God can David has fearless faith because God is fulfilling his purpose. David knows that God is going to save me. God is going to save David. David knows that God is going to put to shame those who are coming against him. David knows that God is a God of faithfulness and steadfast love. David cries these out even when he describes his circumstances starting in verse 4. My soul is in the midst of of lions. Now, I, I have never described my situations of being in the midst of lions. Um, if, if you can relate to that, uh, please come and talk to me. <laughs> but my soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose, t- are, whose tongues are sharp swords. That is an incredible description of where his soul is at. And David has fearless faith because he knows that God hears his cries, that he saves, and that he has a purpose for him. It is in this fearless faith that you can call on God for mercy with confidence because God is your only hope. God is your only hope. And David's hope wasn't in the cave, but he was in God. And that's how David is able to have confident requests for mercy. David is being able to say, God, I need you. I need you. So when we find ourselves in tough situations, we need to have a confident call in mercy. And that's the first point, to confidently call on God for mercy. However, some of us, we are so stuck in our own caves that we don't recognize that we need his mercy. And because of that, we don't realize how we need to take refuge in him. And this is the second point. When we are in the cave, we need to take refuge in God, God's mercy, and not the cave. And in verse 1, it says, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. But he later goes and says this, For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. 
To make this point, David is using an analogy of a bird gathering uh, her young uh, under her wings to tell us that, that we can take refuge under the shadow of God's wings. So you can imagine being uh, one of the baby birds of its mothers, and under their wings you find shelter in their storms. They find warmth. They are so close to the mom they can probably hear their heartbeat, that the feeling of comfort of her embrace, and they know that she is watching out for them even when they don't even realize that they need defending. Because under her wings are safety and refuge, and they have to no fear. And you wonder why David is fearless. When I was a kid, I would, when I would read David versus Goliath, I would always ask myself, how on earth can David just go up to this massive man and just flick a stone at him? You know? <laughs> like, but he is fearless. And a refuge is a place where you can go for protection. It's a place for safety and shelter from danger and trouble. It's a place to run to. But notice that the refuge does not mean that troubles or dangers will never come. Rather, it's a place that we can seek safety and enduring danger and trouble. And see, and what I love, what I love about God is God is safety and protection, and he is our best defense. And David took refuge in God, not in the cave. And a lot of us take refuge in the cave. And what I mean by this is we take refuge in things of this world to seek safety and protection from rather than seeking refuge from God. So my question to you is, what is your cave? What is your cave? For some of us, our cave is finances. I have to have a certain amount of income so that I can have protection of ourselves and whatever's that may come our way so I can have control. Or maybe you're, uh, you're, we take refuge in your employment or your job. Maybe you have been, have been emotionally hurt by someone and your cave is a place for you to live and withhold yourself because you're worried about getting hurt again. Some take refuge in relationships. Sometimes we seek the most intimate and enjoyment in our significant others rather than the most intimate and enjoyment relationship in God. Maybe uh, your, your cave is your fear. For me, I live in my fear a lot of times, a lot of the time. But please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. In Proverbs 22, verse 3, it says, The prudent, the prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep, uh, keep going and pay the penalty. That doesn't mean that we don't take wise precaution. We don't take wise precaution. David uses the cave as a wise move for a temporary place to seek shelter, but seek God for his refuge and not the cave. So take wise precaution, but after doing so, we trust God above all else. So you can take precaution, wise precaution regarding your finances, but after doing so, our ultimate trust is in God above all else. And it's a hard thing to trust God when it comes to our finances. And Jesus understood this really, really, really well. Jesus lived a very nomadic life, seeking hideouts to be, uh, he, seeked, uh, he seeked hideouts to be with the Father, but he didn't stay there. He didn't make it a home. Jesus made it a priority to have the most intimate, full of enjoyment relationship with the Father. And he was hurt emotionally and betrayed by Judas, and he was sought after by the Romans to kill him, and Jesus knew that they were coming to kill him. And yet he understood that it had to be done for our salvation, to atone for our sin and our disobedience. And what I really love is when, what Jesus said when he was arrested. While being arrested, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. And I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. And Jesus knew that the world is not his home, but a temporary 
place. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, For I consider that the suffering of the present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So my point is, your cave, is your cave a hideout? A temporary place, but your ultimate refuge is in God, where the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the future glory that is to be revealed to us? Or is it a home? A place where you take refuge in things of the world to seek safety and protection, which is built on man. So is your cave a hideout, or is it a home? Are you living there? See, David used the cave as a wise move for a temporary place to seek shelter, but seek God for his refuge and not the cave. So take wise precaution, but after doing so, we trust God above all else because of the future glory. And it's hard to ask God for mercy and take refuge in him when your cave is your home because you rely on yourself and others. And honestly, you really become your own deity when you're in this state. So don't don't be content in your cave. Have confident requests for mercy and take refuge in God. And this is a position of surrender. Lord, I need you. It's not I need need anything else in this world. It's Lord, I need you and that is it. And that's a lot of trust. The third point that we can learn from David is when we are in times of distress and hard circumstance is to have a confident expectation of victory. A confident expectation of victory. David has a confident request for mercy and takes refuge in God. And it's because of this, he has a confident expectation of victory regardless of the situation that he's in. I love what he writes. He says, He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Here is David. He's hiding from Saul. And and he knows that God is the one who brings justice. And David knows that his greatest defense is his greatest offense. The one who digs the pit for him is the one who's going to fall into it. And David knows this, and sure enough, in 1 Samuel chapter 23 and 24, Saul is in the cave, uh, and all his David men is like, like, David, this is your chance. This is God. God has given you a chance for you to kill him. But what did David say in his prayer? They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. So David doesn't kill Saul. David knows that Saul will fall into the pit that he has dug for David. And later on we learn that Saul is, in fact, does fall into the pit that he has dug out for David. And what I love about this is it's in this confident expectation of victory, regardless of the position that David finds himself, that, we, that he can love his enemies. And God brought mercy to David through this. Now, God meets, mercy, God meets us in ways that really we have no idea uh, what we expect. Now, I for, I for uh, one, when I was at the lake, I, I really wanted God to come down in this audible voice and say, Dakota, stay on this highway for, I don't know, 20 minutes. Or, God, I'm calling, Dakota, I'm calling you to go into pastoral ministry. Or, Dakota, I, I got you. Just keep going. Keep going. But what did he do instead? He met me with the smell of cow poop. <laughs> And, but what's crazy about this is he did it in silence. He didn't even say anything. He just met me in the smell of cow poop. And I love it because though my situation didn't change, it definitely changed the way I looked at the situation that I was in. 
And it also changed the way that I looked at the cave. So every time I smell cow poop, which is like, I don't know, guaranteed once a week, uh, you know, I can't stop laughing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I really can't. Uh, on Tuesday, I was working at Kids Cove, which is an after-school program at Sterling Elementary, and I'm playing basketball with all the students, and, um, and you know, the smell kicked in, and I'm not going to lie. I was like, someone need to go to the bathroom here, okay? But then the smell kicked in, and I was like, oh, that's what it is. I just started dying laughing. <laughs> but every time I smell the cow poop, I laugh, and it's a reminder to me of how faithful and steadfast God is. No matter the situation that I find myself in. See, I don't know how God will meet you and give you mercy when you run to him as your refuge and when it comes into the tough situations or predicaments that you find yourself in. But what we go to God, when we go to God with confident requests for mercy and we take refuge in him and you have a confident expectation of victory regardless of the situation you're in, God will position your heart to a steadfast uh, heart. And this is the fourth and final point. Uh, A steadfast heart leads to a singing heart. A steadfast heart leads to a singing heart. I really love, at the very end of this psalm, uh, David is just worshiping God, no matter the circumstances that he's in. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. Though alone in the cave and with troubles behind him and uh, troubles ahead, too, He could allow his heart to be steadfast in God. Even from the cave, David could envision his song of praise extending to the nations among the people. And a cave narrows and darkens most people's vision. But that didn't happen for David. David's heart and song soared into the clouds. He exalted the mercy and truth of God, even in difficult circumstances. And a lot of us, when we are in these difficult circumstances, it is really hard to praise the one who sometimes we feel like he's the one that put us in that situation. And that's where, for me, when I was at the lake, I, I, I did not worship. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. And I think a lot of us, uh, when we're in our situations, we don't really praise God. And I, uh, last night, I was actually um, on Instagram, and I came across this video, and it was a beautiful um, representation of this, and there's this father, um, his child, his son was born uh, prematurely, um, and it was the outlook was not good. Um, the doctors given, uh, gave the uh, young boy a 21% chance to live, and so here is uh, this this father holding um, this baby, and and what does he do during this time? He sings, and so I want to show y'all that video now. Thank you. 
I really, really enjoyed that video. And it's important to remember that David's circumstances were not much better when he sang this song. It wasn't much better. But what did he do? He, he was delivered from the immediate danger of Gath. But a cave was a long way from a throne of Israel, which God has promised him. So here's, here's David, promised to be the next king, and yet he's stuck in a cave, and the current king is wanting to kill him. But what does he do? He worships. And after reading this, we sense the freedom of David's spirit. Though in a cave, his soul glorified God above all the earth. And when I saw that man holding that baby, you sense, though he cried, but it was the sense of freedom. And I think a lot of us would need to uh, start worshiping and praising God when we're in these situations. I, for one, need to work on that. So I want to invite the worship band up and... As they're coming up and preparing, I want to close uh, with this. When we find ourselves struggling, don't be afraid to ask God for mercy. Don't be afraid to run to God for your refuge. Don't live in your fear to where it's hard to trust God's provision. Don't think that you can't worship God only when things are going good. But rather, be confident that God will meet you despite the cave that you're in. That no matter how dark your cave is, you can always find him to seek refuge. Be confident that God will be victorious regardless of the situation that you're in. You can worship God in any circumstance you find yourself in, even when it's not going your way. And what I love is Jesus said in Matthew, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And how many of us today in this room are weary and carry heavy burdens? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Light. So no matter how dark your cave is, no matter how uh, despair or how difficult your situation is, there is light and that is Christ. And Jesus extended his arm right here, so that we can go and live under the shadow of his wings because he laid his uh, hands on that cross for us. Jesus will give you rest no matter the cave you're in. He will give you confidence in your cave, and he will deliver you out of your cave. I don't know what your cave is, but let's run to him as our refuge so we can rest in him. He gave me rest through the smell of cow poop. (laughs) I wonder how he'll give you rest to you. So now let's worship with a heart of steadfast love, despite the cave that we're in.
There's a place when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing. And when I look at the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I will never be was another in the fire standing next to me there was another in the water and holding back the seas should I ever need reminding I feel the tempted free there is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me is another in the fire. All my dead. All my dead that were dead beneath the water. I'm no longer a slave to my sin. Should I fall in the space between what remains in me and this reckoning? Either way, I will bow to the things of this world. And I know I will never be alone. There is another in the fire standing next to me. There is another. no other name but the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be through it all. So come what may in the space between all the things unseen and this reckoning, I know I will never be.